0: You blink and the Chiefs are playing again. Thursday night football game preview against the Denver
1: Broncos. Let's go. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly
2: presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live Wednesday edition of the KC Laboratory
0: presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Matthew, happy Wednesday to you. I'm normally not used to talking to you on this evening. That's your fault, not mine.
1: Oh, um, that's okay. I talked to Craig plenty on Wednesday evenings. Uh, sheesh. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm doing well, Kit. Thanks for asking. I'm actually really excited because... In like less than twelve hours from now, I will be well on my way in a flying tin can, being controlled by Craig Stout, um, on my way to Kansas City to see to see you guys, to to hang out with you guys and see your faces uh, in person. I'm glad it's not a Wednesday because then Kent wouldn't be there apparently. Oh, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I'm seeing you guys, and according to my son, I am going to Kansas City to um, and I quote, "play with my friends." And so I am quite well, quite excited for that, Craig.
3: Yeah, absolutely. No, we, we're not gonna. We're just gonna leave that right there and say that Easton is right. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, uh, typically when we get together on Wednesdays with Kent, like when we're at a shrine game or something like that, he just sits awkwardly in the corner, and doesn't talk. Like, it's really weird. It's almost he like,
1: waits for me to walk away and then he comes,
3: yeah, out. and then he comes over <laughs> and it's like, hey, will you will you tell Maddie that I actually agreed with the point that he was making about that guy? I'm like, yeah, but. Just, just, or, just talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just stunned at him, like Troy from
0: Community with LeVar Burton. I just <laughs> kick myself every time he leaves, and I'm just, you just know, singing the Reading Rainbow in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> we're all gonna be hanging out at Kingdom Bar uh, for the game on Thursday, so we're all gonna be together. It's the first time I think we've all been together since the draft. Yep, I think because like, yeah, it's training camp. Well, I don't think we all got together for training camp or anything like that, which we normally do. So, yeah, come hang out at Kingdom Bar with us. Uh, we'd love to see you. Uh, we're all going to be just having a good time. Uh, we'll be doing the post game show from somewhere, either the studio or there. I don't know what the setup is yet. Uh, Tucker, I'm sure, will tell me afterwards, but uh, we're going to be hanging out uh, at Kingdom Bar for the game. So, yeah. It's always weird uh it's always weird to uh to be doing a Thursday game preview obviously the schedule's a little bit different we're doing a live show on a Wednesday. But it is time to uh to get into that. So, let's go to the offensive side of the ball and I mean Matt, when we were going through all these talking points, basically <laughs> the first talking point was Denver can't stop the run the pass they stink. They're the worst defense ever. And I mean, to be fair, like yes, they gave up seventy points, right? And now that's why they, they're average like they're they're giving up an average over thirty points a game. To be fair though, if you took away the seventy point game, they still been, would be one of the five worst scoring defenses in the national. 20, 29th Yeah. They would so, be 29th. Yeah. So yeah, you know, uh Denver stinks, but this first talking point, they stink
1: against the pass, right? They sing against everything. So the answer was yes, no matter how you ended that question. But to put this in perspective, right, The um, the, we remember the Chicago Bears and how bad that defense was, right, and what that kind of looked like. Well, the Broncos are worse. And the Broncos are not only worse, they're, sm- they're worse off against the pass than the Bears are compared to the third team, which is the Arizona Cardinals. They're that bad. They're just really bad. I mean, There's no other way to explain it. They're epa per play against the pass, is 0.21. 0.21, that's insane. I believe that's almost just a hair under what Patrick Mahomes had last year, and he led the NFL. Essentially, everybody trying to throw the football against the Denver Broncos becomes Patrick Mahomes. That's that's what this is correlating to right now. That's how bad this defense has been. Zach Wilson. Really stop the pass. It's, it's absolutely crazy because Patrick Sertan is still very good. Now, he's not having quite the year that I think he would hope, and probably a lot of that is there's a lack of help, it seems like there's a lot of confusion, and they're trying all this different stuff, and it's not, he's not having his best year, but he's still very good. The problem is, everybody else kinda isn't. And the defensive coordinator, not doing a great job, and they're not on the same page, they don't seem to really get a ton of pass rush going to impact the coverage, the coverage seems to blow call, or blow assignments when the pass rush does work, it's just Nothing seems to be in unison for this unit right now, Craig.
3: Yeah, it's it's just so disjointed. And it, it really does start at the top. I have, you know, living out here, hear people make all kinds of comments about Vance Joseph. Somebody claimed that uh, his fifth grade PE teacher probably would do a better job. Watching this defense, It it's not that bad, but it's not as far off as you would think. Like, it really is not good. And when you've got Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons are good football players. They're not playing well right now. You watch this defense, and the guy that I think jumped out to me the most watching the last couple games was DJ Jones. He at least got some pressure up the middle as a pass rusher. Did okay defending the run. Guess what? He's hurt. So the one guy that was able to get anything going on the inside is gone. They can't defend the pass at all outside of Patrick Sertan, who occasionally makes a play. But even Garrett Wilson was or cheat him down the field. It's just that, you know, Zach wasn't able to hit him down the field very regularly. It just is a big old mess right now. And there's no real clear happy path to success. It's not like, oh man, if we clean up this one thing, all of a sudden we're going to be able to build off of that. It's about 17 things that need to get fixed to get them up to a base level right now. And that is really sad to watch some players that, I, I like coming out in the draft that I've liked in free agency, guys that I like watching play football that are just not, not cohesive, not playing together, not on the same page. It's just really kind of embarrassing to watch this defense run. I know people are going to look at the Miami game and say, 70 points, oh my God, you know, well, that's Miami. It's not just Miami. Like Everybody is running over them, and with a slight bit better execution, the Jets might have put up, Forty something on them pretty easily. That it, it's scary.
1: Well, and like so, just to drive home kind of how bad they've been. Uh, Kareem Jackson's played all right, I think. Justin Simmons has definitely had a down year. But like once you get past, like we're going to focus on the cornerbacks here. Once you get past Patrick Sertan, their next two corners that are playing right now because of an insane Bassi injury has been Jaquan McMillan, and then starting opposite of Sertan has been uh, Damari Mathis. Right? Yeah. They have had thirty-eight targets this year against them. They have allowed 32 completions for over 400 yards, five touchdowns, (laughs) and they have forced zero incompletions. So that means pass breakups. Like That doesn't mean obviously there's a couple incompletions going their way. Not many, just a couple, but they have forced none of them. And that's their corner two and three in this game. Oh, don't worry, it gets a little bit better. Josie Jewell is still pretty solid in coverage somehow as a linebacker. The issue is... No, no. The issue is Alex Singleton's on the field a lot, and, uh, and he comes he's snapping shot. him. He's, not, I mean, like he's out snapping Josie Jewell. Alex Singleton he's was on the field hundred percent of the snaps against the Jets this week. Well, it's, but it's for a good reason because he's been targeted twenty-five times and given up twenty-three <laughs> catches. For
0: three, um, touchdowns
1: for three touchdowns, and it's not even like it's five yards per catch. He's given up over nine yards per catch when he does get targeted. So it's not just checkdowns. Uh, needless to say, this team can't cover anybody right now unless it's the person Patrick Sertan's on, and then it's kind of like a 50-50 coin flip if he's gonna be in the right spot or have the help he needs. Everybody else has been absolutely terrible for this team in coverage.
0: And so has has Jonathan Cooper been targeted at all? Like how what's it what's how many how many targets yes. has Jonathan Cooper seen? Yes, <laughs> how many has it been? Or and he's given up four catches. That's uh yeah. I'll, I'll get there in a second. Um, I all right. So here's the thing. I'm not trying to get too confident or too cocky in this show um, because we did this with the Jets and we did this with Jack, Zach Wilson, sure. and then Zach Wilson embodied Patrick Mahomes for like 30 minutes of football. Um, but I think Sean Payton's done a horrendous job with this football team, and when you can find a way to make a strength of your team a weakness in five games like without actually without even playing a game like just how bad this defense has been relative to this defense last year this was a better defense last year and a lot of the personnel is similar a lot of the personnel is the same Sean Payton put his stamp on the defensive side of the ball uh on this football team he hired Vance Joseph and it's horrendous it's bad it's really really bad and it's just I I it, it makes me question how the Sean Payton era is going to go when you just completely decimate your defense and some and make your, your, some of your better players look worse than they've ever been. Like that is just, it is a horrendous job. Like I know they've gotten Russell up to league average, but my goodness, how are you going to just ruin a strength of your team the way that this team has? It's just, it's, It's. I think it speaks to the coaching staff personally. So, oh, this uh, is when we're
1: harping on the coaching staff. Is this is this when we're doing it? Go for it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Uh, we're Kansas City Chiefs fans. We've seen some horrendous tackling in our days covering covering this team. Man, we've seen some bad tackling attempts. Um, I don't think anything compares to this Denver Broncos team in terms of missed tackles. This team's effort, technique, like just a pursuit. Everything in regards to tackle, I mean, they gave up 70 points, right? Like, that needs to say it all. It's, it's pretty much impossible to give up 70 points in the NFL if, like, even the second guy to the ball makes a tackle every single play. Like, if you miss a tackle every play, it's still pretty hard to give up 70. They're missing four and five tackles on a given play routinely. This team's—I and I don't, it's not, I don't even know if it's an effort thing because guys look like they kind of play hard. It's just they're so bad with everything. I don't think anybody besides Cream Jackson wants to hit, and he's— Getting a lot of fines for his hits, and nobody else wants to hit anybody. Nobody else wants to pursue a play. Nobody else wants to do anything. It's just, it is very poorly coached right now. It is incredibly it, poorly coached, and I don't, I don't even know where you start when you watch some of their like they're tackling like just showcases.
3: It's, it's just all bad. Like it, it's seriously, it's, it's to the <laughs> point. I, I am a Chiefs fan. I, I care not about the Broncos. Like I care not at all. I, I don't. I just don't. And it hurts to watch it. Like I I am sitting here watching an NFL defense with players that I have enjoyed watching in the past, and I watch it just not work in any way, shape, or form. Maddie's talking about the fact that they're not tackling very well. How about all the plays where they're not even remotely close to the ball? Like they're they're not reading things properly. Like the the run game, which we're going to get into here in a second. They're not even on the same page. Front line and the second line, and it's just leaving big gaping holes for the running backs to just hit and go for giant yardage. Like It is it is scary to watch an NFL defense look like that. We've seen college defenses look like this. You bring different guys out of the different guys that are overmatched. You don't see this in the NFL very often. That's why we're harping on it so much because it is just that level of bad right now. Well, I think the thing that bothers me
0: and it just kind of annoys me, I'm going to go again dunk on Sean Payton. But how often does a team, or does a head coach that comes in, that scapegoats the previous regime, tries to rip I it down just, to the studs, I mean, try to try to you know blame everyone else for all the problems, and try to show how big of an uphill battle it is for this team? How often does that work? The answer is never. You know, like Andy Reid didn't come in and just strip this team down to the studs. He took the he took the studs that they had and found a way to maximize their talent add talent to it, and build a football team. But Sean Payton, it just feels like, hey, you know, they're they're making a statement with Randy Gregory. And, like, I'm not saying Randy Gregory's good, but I'm just saying, like, it just feels like, hey, you know what? We had a good defensive coordinator. You know what we should do? We should interview Rex Ryan for the job. That's what we should do. We should see if another Washed Media member wants to try to join this staff. And I'll be honest with you. I thought Vance Joseph was a fantastic hire. But I just kind of wonder. I mean, Vance Joseph didn't have these. He had less talent in Arizona last year. And look what happened.
1: Okay, but Arizona was also not a good defense from a being a technically sound standpoint. I'm not. I'm just. They had
3: a zero ever in the building. That's what I'm saying. It's just like it's.
0: But it's, it, your ego showing, Sean. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this.
3: Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search
2: KC Sports Network. We're brought to you today by Manscaped, who has taken a step up from Balloween to bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. So this season, no need to toil or trouble, Manscaped, is all-new Handyman, is the best way to get rid of that stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the Handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treats this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code KCSN for 20% off, plus free shipping. The Beard Hedger is a high-tech piece of art in a travel-size package with a long-lasting battery, universal charging, and a strong motor. There's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with code KCSN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with code KCSN. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped.
5: I'm not even, like,
0: sure I want to continue with, like, the structure <laughs> We need, of we need to. Let,
3: let, let's, let's change it.
0: <laughs> okay, point number one was the Broncos stink in their own travesty and an embarrassment. Point number two, um, we did we have seen some teams try to put the Broncos in their base defense a little bit here, which means the likes of Jonathan Cooper are coverage covering, which means uh, Alex Singleton and Josie Jewell are on the field. Um... Do we think that the Chiefs are going to try to emphasize getting the Broncos into base defense the way that some of these teams have recently?
1: I yeah maybe I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to go out of their way to make it happen because the Chiefs are a team that already plays a fair amount of twelve personnel they already play a decent amount of thirteen compared to league average I don't think the Chiefs are going to come out Okay, first of all, let's see, let me let me back up here. Nobody cares if the Chiefs are at 12 personnel to play their base right. personnel <laughs> package against. It would have to so be heavier. Just, yeah, let's start there. It and would the have Chiefs to be
3: heavier. Go, like, Hold on.
1: Heavier.
3: We are talking about Vance Joseph here. Continue.
1: <laughs> the <laughs> Chiefs can't go heavier than 13 personnel because they don't actually have a fullback. And one of their, at least one of their three tight ends on the field is treated entirely as a wide receiver. Right. So like, I don't know. I don't know if the Chiefs can really do anything to force any team into the base personnel package, actually. But if there was a game, this would be the one. I don't know if they would go out of their way to make it happen, though. They already play a fair amount of heavier personnel. That's where the Chiefs like to get into their very, 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 very anemic play-action passing game this year. That's where they have tried to push the ball downfield. That's where they've tried to you know, go under center or even out of the gun and hit these like hard play-action shots that haven't been working particularly well. Um, so like that's still going to be there. It would just surprise me a little bit to see them like really lean in and come out with ten snaps out of thirteen personnel to try to force base personnel. I think it'll be their norm. But when those plays come up, I do have you know I am ready for big plays against it. It's more so than getting the Broncos or into base personnel. More than getting the Broncos into base personnel, I'm just like oh here we go. They have a lot of heavy guys out there. This should be a big play for the Chiefs unless it continues to uh, go the way it has the first five weeks.
3: Yeah, I I think the only way that we're seeing a team match 12 personnel with their base personnel with the Chiefs out there is, funnily enough, Noah Gray and Blake Bell being on the field together, which we could see if they want to give Travis Kelsey a few more snaps. For whatever reason, NFL teams do not treat Noah Gray like Travis Kelsey, which is wild. You know, The with the way that the Chiefs use him less as an inline blocker, more as a move tight end, that sort of stuff. It, it, it makes sense that they would treat him the same way. They don't. The Chiefs could get a little salty and get into some of those 12 personnel looks with, you know, let's say Rushy Rice and Justin Watson on the outside. That That's probably a, that that is a good blocking set of players. You can run condensed formations out of that just fine and you can still get loose against some of these players right here. Noah Gray against Jonathan Cooper or Noah Gray against Alex Singleton is a massive matchup in favor of the Chiefs, absolutely is. And if they're in some of those base personnel looks, this Broncos defense does try and get downhill pretty quickly. These safeties play aggressively. You know, we just got done talking about how things aren't connecting very well. Part of the reason they're not connecting very well is because the safeties are getting downhill so quickly and overrunning things at times. And so you can get into these base personnel looks where they're seeing all these big bodies in the middle. Okay, well, we got to fill the alleys really quick because every team is bouncing the run to the outside right now. Just go watch Brees Hall just absolutely tear him to shreds by bouncing runs to the outside. If Isaiah goes back there, we got to make sure that we don't give up the edge there. So we're going to aggressively come downhill. That's going to be Justin Watson, Rushy Rice on the outside on a vertical route. That's a win for the Chiefs. That's an absolute win for the Chiefs. I see big plays when they do want to dabble in those base personnel looks because right now, every team is killing them in their base personnel. Um, I would be, I, I agree, it would
0: have to be like a Bell Gray. Combo or Bell Gray Kelsey, um, and the thing I think that like Jets is they like to spread out. They spread them out out of base too, and you know a Bell Noah Gray combo. If you can get them into base, like you can do enough to be dangerous with that group. I think to spread them out in the passing game a little bit. Uh, so that's something you can kind of keep an eye on. I mean, just be fast. Like I, I mean, I, they they were in, they were in base a lot. Against the New York Jets. Now, granted, it's the Jets, and that's a
3: it's a different team, right? But yeah, I don't know. It was I, just it's, I, the Jets did it to the Chiefs too. They lived in twenty one, twelve, thirteen yeah. personnel, trying to get Was yeah. Jonathan Cooper was covering? I know, and the, and I it
0: felt like the Broncos. It, it, it felt like they were predictably in coverage. Like that's what it felt like. It felt like. The Jets knew that Jonathan Cooper was going to be in coverage and they just yeah, they that's picked how, on him a little bit. I mean, bit. that's how base defense
1: works. He's three or four outside linebacker, Ken. Yep. I thank you, Matthew. Um Well fun fact the Chiefs uh, lead the NFL in first down thirteen personnel snaps. So like they already do it a lot, right? Like it's it's kinda hard, kinda hard to do it a little bit more than what they do, but yeah, they might they might roll out there without, that was just first down, right? Like, so yeah. maybe later down, they do no. But still, like, it's worth noting, they might be able to pull the Broncos into base a little bit more frequently because even the Bron- like teams have to respond with base versus 13 personnel <laughs> even when it's the Chiefs. Like, you still have to. Now, I can see in certain situations not, and I don't know if every snap against the Chiefs is going to get th- a base personnel. But like, you, you might be able to goad them into it because of how often they send their three tight end looks out there. Or, heck, if they don't, The way the Chiefs have been running the ball, especially out of 13 personnel, (laughs) with some of their gap stuff, as long as they quit trying to do that thing where like they line up one of the guys as a fullback and then bring two tight ends across at the same time to block somebody, like we're all good.
0: All right, so here's what's going to happen. Play one against the Broncos. Chiefs are going to line up.
1: First play is inside zone out of the gun.
0: But you know how they're going to get to it? They're going to go empty with 13 personnel, so they're going to see the defense... They're gonna see their empty check in base, and then they're gonna bring the running back in and run the ball. That's the first. The first. Let's. I, if this happens, it's gonna be amazing. Thirteen personnel
3: into empty motion to the backfield, run inside zone. You're yeah. uh, about the Chiefs' thirteen personnel is wide receiver one still on the field? It's Justin Watson. Everybody.
0: Majority is yeah. <laughs> I used to wide receiver one. I couldn't tell if it was a joke if it was a statistical wide wide receiver one, if it was their best wide receiver, if it was Travis Kelsey.
1: (laughs) Nope. (laughs) And they're going to tag like a a slant bubble or a hitch bubble on the backside of this inside zone, but they won't throw it, and it'll be inside zone run.
0: Because it'll be Justin Watson catching the ball. Um, I will say, uh, there is a little bit of redeeming quality to this Denver team on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe a
1: little bit of decent edge rush. Maybe Nick Benito, anyone, Matthew Lane? Yeah, I mean, like you spent a lot of time, you know, dunking on Jonathan Cooper, but he's been a solid outside pass rusher. But he's not With covering. Time. Correct. <laughs> kind of like George Koloff this cover. Um and <laughs> so is Nick Benito. He has been a quality edge rusher. They they have a Zach Allen. And, you know, some games his impact is felt, and sometimes it's outside, sometimes it's inside, but they do have some guys that can affect the game on the outside, specifically Cooper and Benito, just like those two guys have a little bit of speed. They have the ability to really get up the arc and stuff like that. And so it just presents a challenge for the Chiefs offensive tackles that the last time they faced a defensive front that had, I think, speed similar to that, it was the Jets. And while the Jets are clearly a significantly better front, that was just they had the speed to press Donovan Smith vertically. They had some speed that didn't give Jawan Taylor, trying to get used to his new pass set and alignment, some trouble there coming up the arc. So it's worth noting here that if you get another really good performance from the Chiefs offensive tackles in particular, that's a good sign. Because I thought they, they kind of calmed down a little bit after the first quarter against the Minnesota Vikings, but the Vikings don't really have just the raw speed that I think the Broncos can present. So it's a matchup I got my eye on. We'll see how it plays out. But if the Broncos want a chance to win, I think you gotta have like a, a career game from both of those two guys on the outside than Zach Allen wherever he plays.
3: Yeah, yeah. He he's lining up inside a little bit more and he wins on the inside. He does. It's you know, we talked about Zach Allen a lot coming out of the draft as a guy the Spags might like, you know, heavy defensive end on base downs and then kick inside, rush the passer from the inside. That's that's how he's being used. Nick Benito has been the most impressive guy to me, honestly. Uh, like that, that burst is real. the The ability to turn the corner is real. He's a guy that you know we we watched and we went, oh wow, I, I kind of like that guy a little bit. He's better. You know, he, he's even better. He's come into the NFL really, really well. A speed guy that could give the Chiefs tackle some trouble. I think that's it, though. Like I know that Jonathan Cooper is there. Frank Clark is out for this game. Not that Frank has done a whole lot for this team, and who knows? He might be on the way out. Who knows what's going on over there? But there's not a whole lot of other guys outside of, again, DJ Jones, who is injured, that can really rush the passer and present any kind of danger to this front. And this is a good game to just make sure you know, keep the bad pass rush bad, I guess, at this point. Because without DJ Jones, Frank Clark not playing well, if you can keep Nick Benito, Jonathan Cooper in check, you're going to be fine. Zach Wilson had all the time in the world back there against the Jets after the opening stanza. The, the initial pass rush was good. After the offense started got, getting rolling, he was able to stand back there and just deliver with plenty of time to do it. He was not worried about the Broncos' pass rush at all. This offensive line is better than the Jets' offensive line. Patrick Mahomes is more comfortable back there than Zach Wilson is. I just think that this is an opportunity to just kind of get the confidence right, get the offense going, because you're not going to be faced with just heat every single down that you drop back to pass. Craig's rarely used word of the day is stanza. I like it. You said Stanza stanza all the time. What do you mean? I've never heard you say Stanza ever. I've said it on this show multiple times, buddy. I know you don't listen to me, but... Like, you've not. You have... I know. I would have been like,
0: huh? Stanza? Like, Tony Stanza? Like, who's the boss? What? Players to Watch is presented by Tickets for Less. Go to ticketsforless.com. Use promo code KCSN. Again, promo code KCSN. It will get your best... Discount available on Tickets for Less on your Chiefs
3: tickets. Craig, you have the first stanza. Thank you for the first stanza here. I am going to pick Isaiah Pacheco as my player to watch. Pacheco's been really good. As of late, the Chiefs are using a lot more gap scheme runs. Things just look a lot more comfortable with him back there in those gap scheme runs. I watch the Jets line up against the Broncos and spam some gap scheme stuff. And the Broncos never saw it coming. They never were able, to, I talked about how aggressive they were. They're filling the wrong gas. They're not sure where they need to go. They are just all over the place. Line up with Isaiah Pacheco, run those runs and put this game away in a big way. Like I, there is such an opportunity here to just put the looks that you want to on tape, make defensive coordinators worry about what you could do on the ground a lot more than they are right now. And they already are like the past two games have shown, Hey, there's a lot of positives for the chiefs run game. Go out there and just beat down the Broncos on the ground with Isaiah Pacheco. I'm not saying abandon the past. Just when you get to that moment, lean on those gap scheme runs, let him run over guys, let him build that confidence, let that off line, build that confidence. Jeff Allen talked about it earlier this week with Tucker on 21 questions. Get into those looks put that fear in the heart of defensive coordinators coming up and just use this game as the game where you get to really put everything you've got in the run game on tape.
1: My player to watch is uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. I don't really have a good reason for it. It's just kind of a gut thing. We're due. We're due for one of those MVS games where he just kind of goes off or makes a couple highlight plays. If there was ever a secondary to, you know, maybe just challenge some YOLO balls downfield or see if a guy ends up running free and makes a big play, it is this one. Uh, I Patrick Sertan is great. And so when him and MBS are locked up, you probably just avoid him. But when he's on other guys, yeah, you just might as well give it a shot. So this is just a this is just a gut feel. We we're kind of due for one. You know, MVS has been the same guy. He's been in the NFL his entire career. And we he doesn't usually go this long being this quiet. It's we're kind of due for a game that says, Oh yeah. That's why that guy gets on the teams and like has a very significant role. I, I think we're due for one of those games. I, I, I'm calling it for this one.
0: Second on the team in targets last week. Second on the team in rece- receptions last week. And wide receiver one from those two perspectives was Kadarius Toney. Five catches, 26 yards. A lot of manufactured looks as they are trying to get him involved. I think circumstantially, you know, I think the Chiefs have very obviously... They hold higher, um, you know, they hi- hold higher hopes than I think a lot of us on the outside do for Kadarius Tony. They've seen some stuff. We've seen some quotes recently about Brett Veach's belief in him uh, vertically that we haven't seen yet. And you know, I think that this could be, you know, a week where you know we've seen some of the injuries stuff that he's been dealing with, and this could be a week where he's healthy enough to go out and make a big impact. Obviously, the volume was there for him last week. So maybe the health's on an upward trend. He's still being treated for a toe injury. But I just kind of wonder if, you know, it's a slow start for him because of the injuries, because of the lack of training camp, even though we know this team has held him in high regard and has big plans for him. Maybe this is a week that we see Kadarius Toney get involved and and make some big plays uh, in a a, a substantial way. More than five catches, 26 yards. I think it's going to be a big day for Kadarius Toney. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right
3: after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app, find it on the App Store, or Google Play. Just search
2: KC Sports Network.
5: Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Ben Heisler, host of Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And I've been so fortunate to have PXG uh, as our sponsor here at KCSN, sponsor of Benny and the Betts. Uh, I, I think what I've really enjoyed about this partnership is that they have really had an opportunity to dive into Kansas City. And so it's nice to be able to refer people who are fans of KCSN to folks that care about the community, that care about making a presence here in Kansas City. Uh, But also they make ridiculous golf clubs as well. Had the fantastic uh, experience getting fit here with Alex Oren. She is the queen of fittings over at PXG, uh, was the first female fitter in the company's history. She's right here in Kansas City. Uh, Did a fitting for about two hours and just had an absolute blast. Uh, Really got comfortable with every single club in my bag. And they're going to be able to do that for you guys as well. The best part is $25 fittings right now in the month of October. So make sure you guys come on over pxg store they are located here in overland park 119th and blue valley parkway we come in make sure you say hi to alex say hi to jake say hi to marcus the whole crew is going to take such good care of you check out they got brand new fall apparel as well some great discounts on all the summer stuff as well uh they've been a great partner for us here at kcsn we hope that you guys support them and check out everything that they're doing as well Been such a great opportunity love the folks at pxg we know you guys will too Everything for your bag. Nobody makes clubs the way we do, period. That's PXG and PXG.com. Thank you so much, everybody that's hanging out with us
0: on a Wednesday night as we are game previewing Chiefs Broncos on Thursday night. Football. Glad to, ha- I'm glad to have this one done, too. Shout out Brent Shepard. Thank you so much for the super chat. We really appreciate that, my friend. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, play action. Russell Wilson. Likes himself some play action. Sean Payton trying to integrate some of that play action into the offense for the Denver Broncos. Is it any good, though, Craig?
3: I mean, it, it's the best thing, that especially early in the game. Uh, I had a stat at the ready, and our pal Matt McMullen with the Chiefs went and tweeted it out today. So I guess Matt can have the stat. No, the Broncos lead the league in... First drive points. They do, believe it or not. We just got done talking about how terrible of a team they are and all of that. Their opening script is fine. And it usually revolves around a lot of play action. They want to get Russ deeper into the drops. They want to hit Marvin Mims over the top. They lean on that a lot. They've only run play action about 22% of their offensive snaps when they've dropped back this season. But think about all the games where they've just been out of it, like entirely out of it late in the game. Why even try play action like they they don't lean on it then when it's earlier in the game? It does feel like they lean on it a lot more and Russ feels a lot more comfortable using that. That's why he looks like an average quarterback this year, because he's able to kind of get those linebackers, get that safety to take a step up and then still be able to roll back and just chuck it up and hope that a guy like Marvin Mims, who has been excellent this season can get underneath the ball there. It's been pretty effective. They use their screen game off of it, but it is primarily the deep passing game that you got to watch out for with the Chiefs. And with the Broncos, again, we just got done talking about on the other side, the Broncos love to live in 21 personnel. They really like to use a lot of 21 personnel. Guess what? Chiefs are going to counter base defense with that. And if the Chiefs are counter base defense with that, they're probably going to load up the box a little bit more. means a lot more single high looks. That means that if a Legarius Sneed or a Trent McDovey happen to miss a press for whatever reason, there is a big opportunity for stuff over the top with this play-action passing game. There's just ample opportunity for that. It slows down the pass rush. It's a good thing for this offense to lean on to get Russ comfortable, and they're using it pretty well right now.
1: I mean, I think it even, same concept kind of extends beyond just play action too. Just the deep passing game in general for the Broncos has been very good. And they get to a lot of it out of play action, right? So there's definitely some overlap here. But, I mean, Russell Wilson's 9-21 on deep shots. So that's passes over 20 yards. That's pretty good. 43% completion percentage on deep passes is good. They've scored three touchdowns, had no turnovers out of it. Like, they're slinging the ball down the field pretty well. That's a Russell Wilson special, right? Like he's been one of the best deep ball throwers in the NFL since he kind of got there. And I think that plays a large role in why he's playing much better football this year. He feels a little bit more comfortable getting to launch the ball vertically and he's done well with it. The one, like I think a little bit of a counter to both of this, both, you know, the deep passing, some play action, send some blitzes, right? Even if the run blitz is like into some run stuff, send some blitzes because Russell Wilson isn't handling the blitz particularly well. And again, in typical Russell Wilson fashion, he's holding the ball when the blitz is coming. He's just like, "Oh, what? I'm going to hold this and wait a little bit longer to try to throw it." When he gets under pressure, his time to throw is higher than when he's not under pressure this year. That's weird, and, like, and that's not surprising given Russell Wilson. So, like to counter some of this stuff, like yeah, to Craig's point, the defensive back, the secondary, they have to be very aware of the, the play action stuff, the vertical shots, especially when Marvin Mims is out there. That's all he does. That's all he's doing. That's all he's out there for. Right incredibly efficient too. <laughs> he is. It's like, you got to be aware of it, but the defensive line, the linebackers, they need to kind of pin their ears back and get after it. And so, like, I, I think this is another week where Steve Spagnuolo could really come out early in this game, throw a lot of blitzes out there, get Russell Wilson's head spinning. And before he revert, you know, before Spags resorts back to the, Oh, let's play it safe and just kind of coast. They could probably get the, you know, Broncos offense in a bit of a hole because Russell has really struggled in, in those scenarios. Yeah. Russell his
0: escapability like he has it but he doesn't have it anymore it's just like it's mo- it looks like a it looks like a 36 year old guy that used to be mobile and used to be like a, a sca- used to be able to escape like it's still in him from time to time but it doesn't feel like it it's something that is consistently part of his game that's like where i think some people have talked about like his game maybe not aging as gracefully as other quarterbacks that's why. And I think it, it definitely father time is coming, you know, uh it's coming for him a little bit. Um, okay, so the the Broncos backfield. There's some decent running backs in that group. Javante Williams trending towards playing, but in the meantime, we've seen uh Jalil McCullough or McLaughlin, sorry. Jalil McLaughlin.
3: Yeah. Wait, hold on. Hold on here. Who gets made fun of about pronouncing names mispronouncing names all the time, buddy? Okay,
0: I straight up just got the name wrong. You uh-huh. would have, you would have taken Jaleel McLaughlin's okay. name and turned
3: it into Jaleel McLaughlin. Kit, Kit just put in, or uh, Tucker just put in the chat, I messed up the name. The kid did a crack. Yeah. So <laughs> uh,
1: Okay. Anyways. He just, he just read the name wrong, though, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. Fine. Yes. Uh, Maddie first stands on this.
1: Oh, I'm coming in here. Um Okay. Uh yeah, I I'm not I was not super familiar with uh are we calling him McCollum or McCaughlin? I
0: was unfamiliar with Jaleel McLaughlin's game.
1: Yeah. Very much so. And I watched him and okay, like there's there's a little bit of juice there. He's playing good football right now. Obviously getting Javante Williams back, I do think, helps a lot. I, I actually like Samaj P. Ryan. I think they use him more as a receiver than a runner. Like he's maybe not the best runner, but I like him as like a football player. And maybe it's like the fraud goals like PTSD, but like he clearly played a good role for them and given the Chiefs some fits. So like I like the running back room. They just haven't been quite as effective running the ball as I anticipated this year. All the moves they made this offseason said this team was going to ro- like switch to a smash mouth, play action. They're going to try to run the ball a bunch. They brought in all these run-blocking offensive linemen, and they bring in all these extra running backs, and you think you know what you're going to get, and Walt McCoughlin has been good, He's been very effective since he's got out there. Javante Williams, Samaj P. Ryan, when it was those two, they were not getting a lot done. And it still feels like it's kind of really boom or bust on the runs, right? It doesn't feel like it's just consistent chunk play, chunk play, chunk play down the field. It seems like when they hit it right, they get a big gain. And then a lot of it's just kind of like grinding teeth into you know a brick wall. So I, the rushing game doesn't scare me, but it is worth noting that they do have a, a rookie that's kind of jumping out right now.
3: Yeah, the and the rookie out of Youngstown State, Jaleel McLaughlin, looks great. Like he really does. He's got juice, man, um, and consistently wants to bounce stuff to the outside. They use him a lot in their empty packages. They they motion him into a bunch, and then you know kind of throw a screen out there. They've really used him well, and that extra juice, frankly, scares me a little bit. The Chiefs have seen some speed out of the backfield. They've seen some speedy wide receivers as well, and they dealt with them well. But this feels like maybe an under-the-radar one a little bit more. Most of the guys that they've been playing with speed are guys that just very clearly identified are like the number one weapon for the team. You know, we got to keep an eye on this sort of guy. It feels like the rookie is going to fly a little bit under the radar, and that worries me a little bit. It worries me that Steve Spagnuolo is going to go, you know what, we're going to match up, we're going to have a linebacker kick out and cover him, you know, just on a whim here, and maybe a blitz package comes, and that linebacker's Nick Bolton. That worries me. A little bit because this kid has speed. He's got juice. He's got the ability to run away from pretty much every linebacker. We watched him run away from Quincy Williams and CJ Mosley, who are more athletic linebackers. These guys do a good job of getting him the ball through screens, through running the ball, you know, all of that. Samaj P. Ryan looks really good. Javante Williams, though, looked excellent in the preseason. Like, I know that's preseason, and preseason doesn't count or anything like that, but it looked like he had taken that next step. Obviously, he gets hurt, not feeling great. Coming back from this, I don't expect, you know, like 100% workload that he would normally get during a regular season game, but it is enough now to where I look at this and I say, the Chiefs are going to want to stop the run. And we saw what happened when they came out with that dedicated focus against the Jets. Try and contain the backfield. Don't let them run the ball force the quarterback to beat you with his arm I feel like that this set of running backs has the potential of breaking things a little bit bigger and that the Jets use or and that the Broncos use them a little bit smarter than the Jets did so I'm looking at this running back room as maybe the one thing that this Broncos offense can really utilize to keep the Chiefs on their back foot Craig how old do you think Canadian singer-songwriter
0: Sarah McLachlan is don't know 55 anyways uh I I you know one of the Sean Payton staples um has been the screen game in his time as an offensive play caller for the New Orleans Saints so like that was like something that they utilized a lot it's a Jaleel McLaughlin joke Craig um (laughs) and like I think that you know I it's it's been hit or miss, I think, with the screen game to this point with Denver. That Jaleel McLaughlin did get a touchdown out of it, though, uh, against the New York Jets, and that's something that he's always had a good feel for. And you know what, Steve Spagnuolo, if he's going to blitz as much as he does, like that's the when you your your best time to try to run some of these screens is when you're anticipating some kind of aggression from the defensive side of the ball. So I could see the defense, uh, you know, being susceptible a little bit to the screen game in this week let's talk about the pass rush. Obviously, it's been a little bit difficult with a four-man front. They've had to add to the math on the pass rush to try to generate some pressure. Do we think that the the it'll be a get-right game for the four-man pass rush, Matthew?
1: I mean, it should be, right? And like, we've done this in years past with this team. We're like, oh yeah, this is where the Chiefs pass rush is going to get right because the offensive line across them isn't good. And then they kind of come out and they're a little bit flat in the game. But like. Woo! This Denver Broncos offensive line has been terrible. Starting with the right tackle, Mike McGlinchey, they brought him over. And again, this goes back to like, hey, they're going to run the ball a lot. This dude is averaging over, like giving up over two to three pressures a game. And like, they're not just like slow burn pressures. He is just letting people rip by him. His pass protection was always a little questionable in San Francisco. And I think you're starting to see how much he was protected by the scheme. But then even when you kick inside, it's not as if Quinn Miners or Ben Powers are doing exceptionally well. Their only guy that's not getting beat ridiculously bad is Lloyd Cushionberry, and well, he's a center. How many one-on-one pass pro reps is he actually getting out of this, right? So like, I don't know. You're looking at the Chiefs' four-man rush, and I know that George Karloff, this Mike Dana, aren't necessarily striking fear into opposing offensive line. I, I understand that, but this is a game where they might actually have the advantage. Garrett Bowles has returned. He's clearly been their best pass-protecting you know, offensive lineman, but it's still Garrett Bowles. Every couple drives, you will see him just all of a sudden crisscross his feet and start playing Twister on the football field. It's just what Garrett Bowles does. And like, so there's gonna be plenty of opportunities to win if they decide to take care of it, like you know, take advantage of it. So last week we saw it. Kirk Cousins was in trouble when the blitz was coming. We saw it two weeks ago. Zach Wilson was in a lot of trouble when the blitz was coming. But then all of a sudden, four man rush comes out. They get nowhere. This is a game where you probably want to start building some confidence coming out of it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Russell Wilson is the sixth most sacked quarterback in the league right now. He's taken 15 sacks. Would you guys believe that that's almost half of number one? Sam Howell has tw- has been sacked 29 times. It's that insane. Is, checks out. I mean, didn't it's check out. Big side a little Daniel bit. Daniel Jones is a 28. So, yeah, also checks out. Russ has been better this season than the past two years at Feeling in the pocket a little bit, avoiding it, stepping up, and not being afraid to scramble. They've actually even called some design runs for Russ this year, Sean Payton has. So he's been a little less reticent to just hang out in the pocket and wait for the pass rush to come. Simultaneously, he will not throw to guys that are covered, that there don't have any sort of separation. That's a problem against this chief secondary that's not allowing a ton of separation So he likes to just kind of sit in the pocket, drift a little bit, and that's what a lot of these sacks look like. Yeah, Mike McGlinch is getting beat quickly, but he'll step up and avoid the pressure and then hang out for a little while. So I look at this four-man pass rush as it's an opportunity to get right, but it's also an opportunity to make sure that you stay sound with your rush length. We talk about it all the time. I really did not like the way that he attacked the quarterback last week, there were plenty of opportunities for Kirk Cousins to step up and do it. He didn't. Maybe they knew that he just wasn't going to. So they're like, eh, screw it. We'll just get out of our rush line. Don't do that against Russ because he will step up. He can convert a third and ten with his legs. He can he can maximize some of that stuff. Don't allow those drives to extend. Make sure you collapse the pocket around him. He can't see over the over any of the offensive linemen anyway." and you'll be able to pin your ears back and win those refs. I expect a big day for the Chiefs' four-man rush. I expect that multiple guys are going to get sacks and get on the board, and I expect that they're not going to have to blitz to get the pressure that they did last week.
0: We asked the question, what will be the turning point in the game, and Chief Kelsey said kickoff. <laughs> That's incredible. Shout out to you, Kelsey. It's players to watch presented by Tickets for Less on the defensive side of the football. Again, ticketsforless.com. Promo code KCSN gets you the guaranteed best discount available at ticketsforless.com on your Chiefs tickets. I'm going with Drew Tranquil as my player to watch. And it's because of the return of Nick Bolton. And you know, we've seen Drew Tranquil play outstanding football in Drew uh in Nick Bolton's absence. I want to see what the role is for Drew Tranquil. Is he going to be involved in some of these sub packages, or is Nick Bolton going to go back to being the dime linebacker? What's, being, what, what's, what's the rotations going to look like? Are they going to ease Nick Bolton back in, or are they going to let Drew, you know, they going to let Drew Tranquil do what he's been doing in the last few weeks? I'm just kind of curious to see what the linebacker rotation is and when Drew Tranquil is or is not on the field. So
3: he's my player to watch. Craig, what say you? My player to watch. I'm staying on the second level. There is Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel's been good this season. Just plain good this season. What the Broncos do terribly is trying to pick up blitzers that time the snap appropriately. You know what Leo Chanel is really good at? Exactly that. Leo Chanel has made decent offensive lines look silly grasping for air as he's coming on run blitzes, pass blitzes, whatever the case may be. I watched this Jets defense, this Bears defense, get pressure on Russell Wilson by sending a linebacker and the guards not being able to pick him up at all. I expect the 3-3-5 is going to show plenty of opportunities for Leo Chanel to rush the passer, and I would expect that Steve Spagnolo, who has used him as the mic, might decide to line him up back there once or twice, try and time a snap, because right now it is just instant pressure. It is instant penetration. It is tackles for loss. It is sacks. It is all the things that you are looking for to slow down this Broncos offense. I expect it early, and then I expect them to go away from it because they're not going to reveal all their blitz packages throughout the game.
1: I'm going to a guy that we've talked about a lot this week, uh, Mike Edwards. Uh, every single week now, his snap percentage on the defensive side of the ball has increased every single week this year, and they finally got over 50% of the snaps last week, right? I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued where this is going. And it seems like the majority of these snaps, when he is playing not in, you know, the nickel spot is coming from Brian Cook, which kind of makes sense. Like Brian Cook hasn't been bad, but there's been some instances where he has seemed like he's been a little late to recognize a play that he needs to go make, an area he needs to adjust to, or a couple, I don't want to say blown coverages, but blown opportunities to help out another defensive back that thought they had his help. So Mike Edwards' snap count might still be on the rise, the past two weeks, we've seen him make some tackles for loss, make some good plays versus the run, each in the past against the Jets, against the Vikings. We're talking about, you know, how the Broncos might be trying to get into their run game a little bit more, play action, stuff like that. This just seems to be a game that I have my eye on. If this trend continues, I mean, if he's playing over 50% of the snaps, I mean, how much longer do we got to start talking about, you know, is he really the de facto starter, right? Like, I mean, we're on our <laughs> way, we're on our way there. It's like, that's, it's just got, it's on my radar right now. And he's playing better than than Brian Cook is right now. He might be playing better than Justin Reed. Justin Reed does more stuff. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But Mike Edwards might be playing just better in a little in his role that he's got right now. So you gotta watch. All
0: right, it's prediction time. Uh I think it's Craig. Yeah, it's Craig. Prediction time.
3: Yeah. We've think. spent the last 50 minutes running down this Broncos team because frankly, they've looked terrible they all it. season long. The defense is terrible. The offense is out of sync. They got some talent, but they're pretty out of sync. This is going to be a close game. I'm just going to say it. It, it. It's a divisional game. It's a short week. It doesn't matter. Even if it wasn't a short week, I would still pick this to be a close game. This has been true. All of the things that we have stated, maybe not the defense because Egero Evero is awesome, but all of those things have largely held true throughout Patrick Mahomes' entire time here against the Broncos, and there are very few games that the Chiefs have just absolutely put away the Broncos early and not had to worry about it at all. You can look at last year. That was a terrible Broncos team. The Chiefs end up winning the last game by three points. They win the first game by seven points. Like, this is not, or six points, this is not something that you look at and you say, oh, wow, the Chiefs should run away with this, and so they're going to. This is going to be a tough game. I expect that Sean Payton's going to pull out all the stops. Russ is going to look decent because he did against the Chiefs both games last year and that defense is going to play better than we just got done running them down for. So I fully expect that this game going to come down to the wire. It's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to suck for most of it for us Chiefs fans. But I expect that the Chiefs will win it 28-24 and the Broncos will have the ball last and the Chiefs defense will come up with a stop.
1: Ah, defensive guy. Um, yeah, we did spend a lot of time running down the Broncos here, but here's the thing. It's a divisional game, and it's on Thursday. So, like, you can kind of throw all of that out the window. None of that matters. Thank you for listening. Um, we told you all those things about this matchup, and it doesn't matter because it's a Thursday night, and it's a divisional game. It doesn't matter how bad the Broncos are. This could be the worst team ever, and it doesn't matter. It's a divisional game on a Might Thursday be. night. Yeah, sure. And it's still a divisional game on a Thursday night. Yeah. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be close. Um Unfortunately, the Chiefs also have this working against them, or not for the Chiefs, for our fans. It is the first of three games in a row the Chiefs play a divisional opponent. That third game is the Broncos again. You want to know who is not going to be showing absolutely anything they don't have to? Mr. Andy Reid. He is going to give you the most vanilla game plan he possibly can to get out of here with the win. Steve Spagnuolo is going to follow suit too. Though I wouldn't be surprised to see the Chiefs come out with the scripted plays and jump out to an early lead and then do the traditional Andy Reid, try to coast it out. You have to sweat it out sometime in the third quarter, so Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have to go down. And maybe not like a game-winning drive, but like that, okay, now it's probably out of reach, but we're still going to be biting our nails all the way to the end. And with Craig, it's close. I still have the Chiefs winning 24-17. to It's just going to be a game that we're not going to leave exceptionally excited about, and I don't think we should freak out about this one because I think that's what Andy Reid wants.
0: 100% Matthew. I, I this game will either end in annihilation and Patrick Mahomes throwing a behind the next one. Yeah, probably. But I yeah, you know, if, if things just go south for Denver quickly, Mahomes is throwing a behind the pack back behind the back touchdown. Uh because he, you know, Andy wants to dunk on Sean Payton and he likes dunking on the Broncos. I don't think we're getting that though either. And I agree. I think it's going to be a very vanilla pacing himself through the AFC West kind of game. like that just kind of feels like that's what Andy's gonna do. it's it's not you're right. it's not gonna be, you know he'll be setting stuff up for two weeks from now <laughs> or three weeks from now, whatever it is. He'll be, um, you know, it, it'll be enough. he won't leave you know stuff stuff on the table that you know to keep this team from winning the game, but it's not going to be pretty. And he's going to manage that game and kind of discern how much he needs to to let out of the call sheet in order to beat the Denver Broncos. I still don't think it'll matter. I think the Chiefs are going to win. It will be ugly. It will not be as fun as, you know, we'd like it to be. Uh, I have 27-19, but I'll be honest with you. I think it still could. I think the Chiefs still could cover. Um I still I think I think it could they could go vanilla on defense and I still think they might do enough to just slow that slow that, that defense. Well, they're
3: not going vanilla on defense. Let's be clear here. It, the vanilla is happening on offense. You know, I,
0: I
1: could yeah, see Spax hits that stretch every every game where he's uh, just kind of out there chilling and hanging uh, out and allowing every team to get back into it. That's not, it, yeah.
0: that's what Andy tells them to slow down. It's like probably know, listen, Spax, listen. Hey, we gotta, we gotta say something for later, buddy. Let's leave some of that cheeseburger for a couple weeks from now.
1: This is your Andy?
0: <laughs> Did you both say that at the same time? I think we were both equally offended. That's going to do it for the Casey Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. Come hang out with us at Kingdom Bar and Grill tomorrow during the game. All three of us will be there as well as Tucker D. Franklin. Come hang out. Thank you. Appreciate
3: you. We'll catch you later. Come hang out and listen to Kent do his Chad Henney impression? <laughs>